Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode of our podcast. I'm H.A. Conrad here in Brooklyn, coming to you, as always, from my tiny little studio apartment. On the West Coast, joining me is my intrepid co-host, not in a studio apartment, but maybe in other environs that have challenges, <laughs> Stuart Tiffin. Hello, Stuart. <laughs> my main challenge this morning, and I have to whisper this because... You're going to jinx something. The walls have ears. Mm. Um... We totally put our kid to bed last night with a tooth under his pillow and 100% forgot to go and do oh, our, no. our jobs. And so we woke <laughs> up very disappointed. Oh, no. We have to make it right, H.A. We have to make it right. Oh, man. I'm so sorry. It's a parenting moment of shame, Not, to be sure. I don't think so. I think you get a, a pretty, uh, I think you get a do-over. It's okay. Do you, is there like a three-day window that this <laughs> Okay, my recommendation is to have something, have it discover something that fell under the bed, that that they came. <laughs> the tooth was still. I mean, we have to. It's just we've got to do it. We need to do. We need a mulligan. Okay. This, so. All right. Well, I guess he gets lots of cash this time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a twenty dollar bill. Uh, um, yeah. Well, I hear you. Challenges. Though. Challenges there's, all around. There's lots of challenges. Um, so, you know, we're not going to deny that this past week was was super upsetting um, on so many levels, but we are not going to get into a, a debate here just because, um, quite honestly, it is so upsetting other than to say, I really do hope that the inauguration goes smoothly. Um, and it's without question that I was devastated by watching some of those images this past week. I'm sure you were too, Stuart. But um, I, I, you know, we're going to talk about our zombie news and we're going to talk about, you know, obviously the, the current coronavirus stuff. Um, but, you know, and, and we're reviewing a film today, uh, Ladronas uh, de las Almas. And, um, and it's not to, to say that these things didn't happen, but I feel like I've been talking about it all week, so I would like somewhat of a respite. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I'm there with you. There um, other than to say, you know, I, I really do hope things change for the better and maybe that this is a wake-up call that we need to protect our democracy. Um, in any case, uh, kudos to to all the uh, the members of Congress who did get the job done and certified the vote. So. Um, that was definitely felt like a bit of a West Wing moment. Um, I stayed up all night to watch it. I don't know if you did, Stuart, but it was it was it was good to watch it happen and, and get the job done. So um, in any case, um, in coronavirus vaccine news, there are some bright spots. One is that the newer the newer mutations, um, it has uh, come out that the vaccines appear to be effective against those mutations that we have seen, the the different, the more um, contagious strain that we've seen coming out of the UK and apparently also now another out of South Africa. Um, but the mechanism by which the Moderna and uh, Pfizer vaccine work has shown to be effective, which is great news. Um, and uh, weirdly, I mean, there's been a lot of issues here in New York. Um, I don't know how it's been going in California, Stuart, but I've seen news across the states just the distribution has been lacking um, in sort of 
getting where it needs to go um, in enough time and getting to the people it needs to get to. Um, New York, as of Monday, is opening up the vaccines to another group, and it looks like the Biden administration is basically unleashing all the vaccines. Um, So before they were holding, not the Biden administration, but the government was holding back some of the doses to guarantee that there would be second shots, but basically they're opening up the floodgates at this point, Um, and every state is in charge of this. I'm hoping after the inauguration that there will be better distribution, Um, at least here in New York. Right now, it's just healthcare workers, frontline workers, um, and uh, residents of nursing homes. I think as of Monday, they're opening up uh, more mass vaccination sites, and it is um, people over 65, I think. Um, No, sorry, over 75, and some with health conditions, so they have not yet released what those health conditions are. Um, who and uh, in addition to the health uh, care workers and frontline uh, workers um, here in New York. That said, um, it appears that depending on the hospital, it's really tough to to get the shot. Um, there's been no um, sort of controlled way that they've been distributing it. And I have heard from uh, some of my friends that are doctors and things like that, that it really was a, like, hey, you just got to get in there and do it and kind of fight to get it. Um, depending on the hospital you were in, it, apparently some hospitals were better than others. So we'll see how this goes. But I am hoping that it gets better and that more uh, more shots get put in people's arms, basically. Um, how's it been going in California? It's, well, I can't speak for all of California, um, but Sonoma, Sonoma County is vaccinated about 1% of the uh, population, and that's all in the top tier health and uh, EMS and first responders. And then uh, they'll go to skilled nursing facilities, congregate living, um, residents and staff. Um, and I think they're getting close to being done with that. And then they're supposed to start on the 75 and older, uh, beginning of February. Yeah. I think the, uh, estimated time for that. And then there was a whole thing last week, last weekend, last week, no, it was last week where, um, a neighboring County Mendocino County hospital there had a, um, an issue where they figured out they had thawing, they had 800 and something thaw, thawing doses. Yeah which I assume was probably Pfizer. Pfizer. Yeah. And so the call went out every, like everybody who worked at the hospital or clinic or wherever sent out, I think probably a few text messages. Uh, and I was one of those people cause I have a friend who works up there and, um, raced up to, uh, like an hour away to Ukiah to try to see if I could get my parents, um, doses, a dose, I guess. And, um, it was all gone by the time we got there, but it felt like, Hmm. It was insane. It was just insane. And I, uh, what I learned from that was, you know what, it's probably best to just wait because um, it was, there were, there were, I don't know, there were a lot of lines, a lot of mm-hmm. cars, a lot of people and everything was fine. Everybody was cordial. Everything was, uh, you know, safe, but it did have a tinge to me of um, the book we read this summer that we never reviewed, Survivor's Song. Yep. There are some hospital scenes early on in that book, mm-hmm. and um, it was nothing like that. There were no police presence, but there were lots of lines of people. And I think if this virus was more deadly, um, it, what, what it showed me, though, was that there are lots and lots of people who are eager to get the vaccine. Yeah, um, in the and area. that's good news, and that's very good news. Um, yeah. But uh, so one of the things that I saw, um, I just saw, in, you know, the the sort of overall reporting on 
the states handling the vaccine distribution, Florida especially has been having a difficult time. And there's been a lot of um, there has been a lot of criticism of how they are unrolling it, like rolling it out. And so technically people were supposed to get appointments. And basically you, if you had the first come first serve is what I understand. Well, and it, so people thought they had to get appointments immediately. Every place was sold out of course, and, and booked up yeah. with appointments. And then they set up sites in like a, a few different stadiums and people just camped out. And apparently they just gave it to everybody who camped out and, a lot of those people were not people who were supposed to necessarily be getting the vaccine. Um, so, and then the people who really needed it um, were saying some of the same things that they were like, you know what, we sat and waited in line. We're worried that, you know, and obviously a lot of these people were like in cars and things like that. But, um, you know, and that the risk in that case is probably a little less, but I can see, I agree with you. I think that I, I think maybe better to wait and, and, get it when it's not quite so frenetic. Um, at least in New York, once they do have a critical mass of vaccines, they plan to keep those those centers open 24-7 is what they've said. So oh. maybe, wow. maybe, but you have to have enough vaccine to do that. You know what I mean? Like there's, you know, you can say that all you want, but unless you have the doses, it doesn't make sense. So um, I think they were saying that for future planning, that's what they're going to do. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, obviously, um, I'm eager to get it, but I also agree with you that I think other people, at least I will, I, I think other people need it more. I certainly wouldn't jump the line over other people that need it more than me at this moment in time, and certainly not over our healthcare workers. Um, so I'm going to wait my turn, but um, certainly as soon as it is available, I will be there. Um, you know, so that's, but it's interesting to hear that anecdote from you just in terms of how many people clearly do want it, which is a good thing. Yeah. And, you know, this, these, these doses were going to go bad at two o'clock that day. Yeah. And so that was part of the, the race. Yeah. Uh, we no, got absolutely. the call. We got the, well, the text message at like 1230 and <laughs> got everybody up there by 145. Mm. And um, it was, yeah, the, the last couple doses were being handed out or mm. given to people. And um, yeah, so it was, it was weird. It's been, it's been a weird week on so many levels. Um, and then we have a couple of zombie news things to talk yep. about today. Yep, we do indeed. Um, well, zombie-ish. Uh, you, you found something from Zack Snyder's upcoming Army of the yeah, Dead, which is coming yeah. out this year. Yeah, it's coming out this year. Um, he, I mean, it's interesting because I think he's, well, maybe he's just trying to get people amped up, but he spoiled a pretty major plot line in this. Um, but the more interesting part of this article that I liked, um, so the, I'm going to spoil this, so if you don't want to hear it, people pause me for a moment. But um, basically the origin of whatever zombie plague this is supposed to be is happening in Area 51. Um, so he did spoil that. Um, but the other piece of this is that apparently before this all comes out, there's going to be some kind of a prequel animated series in which Christian Slater is the baddie. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. And I kind of think it's an interesting thing to tease something with an animated series. Um, so I thought that was that was interesting news. Um, and I did not. Had you heard that before? Because I had not. No. Four hour animated prequel series. I had not heard that, and that is very interesting. Yeah, so I will I will certainly be watching that, so I'm excited to see that. But it, it, of course it means they must have been working on this before because animation is extraordinarily difficult. Uh, Time-consuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so this must have been the plan, and maybe they're trying to tease this to, to maybe garner interest in the live-action 
film. But um, so so we'll keep everybody posted on that once we hear more about the release date. Um, I'm assuming it's just going to be all to streaming as well. So um, and then uh, you found an article about uh, <laughs> it was from a bit ago, but it's OK. It's kind of cool. Every couple of years we talk, we, we find a listicle that's like, what are the best cars for the apocalypse? And so Car and Driver came out with one of these um, earlier this year or actually in 2020. And there are some very interesting cars in there. And they're not all about like Mad Max uh, road rage trying to drive zombies off the road. This is actually I think my favorite is the very last one, which is the Ford Transit Connect car. Yeah, I like that, too. I thought that was good. (laughs) Like that's just that's just a reasonable, you know, ride because the one right before it is a Rolls Royce. Mm -hmm. You've got uh, literal armored cars. You've got uh, Mercedes Sprinters and troop carriers the amount of bulletproof regular cars uh, in in here, like there's an up armored suburban, there's a bulletproof BMW SUV. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, for different kinds of apocalypses, the uh. apocalypse that we're uh, that we're used to talking about. <laughs> did you see the aerial nomad tactical? I did, um, but you know, I just like the I, the fact that there's even this many on this list is kind of impressive. Right. There are some really weird niche vehicles out there, mm-hmm. including the Sherp. Is it the Sherpa or Sherp? The one that's like, it's water. It's a uh, Aquarius. Nope, that's not the word I'm looking no. for. It's uh, it can go in the water. Yeah, <laughs> my my brain isn't awake yet. But the the area Nomad Tactical is like a dune buggy that's basically designed to go very fast, but doesn't have doors. So yeah. if you get into a mob, you're done. Uh, there's a lot of just very interesting stuff out here. The not Sherp. Ju- the Sherp. Uh, not just that, but not if you get into a mob, but also from an air filtration point of view, if you're trying to to avoid, you know, any kind of viral particles or air contaminated mm-hmm. air, that's a problem. Um, the Sherp, the Sherp one was kind of cool to me, though. I kind of liked it. I mean, who knows what its uh, you know gas mileage is, but it's cool looking. And, and if it's you just compact, have to get through some swamps. Of. You're good. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't. There's no interior shots, so you, you can't really tell how big it is. But I think there's only room for one or two people in the front, obviously, and then maybe there. I don't know how much room there is in the back. Uh, it it also looks like it could easily flip over and start doing somersaults, <laughs> which is, I think it has a roll bar specifically for that purpose. If you yep. look at the design, anyway, cool list of uh, of potential apocalypse cars. We'll put it in the show notes. Take a look guys. It's, it's fun to look at. Yeah. And there are some, there's some like very normal, Oh, I drive one of those cars. And then there are some completely off the wall, wacky, wacky ones. So. Yep. All right. So are you ready to talk about this film? <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, this one was a pick from H.A. Conrad. Just want to uh, make that very clear. You can make that clear, but I will also say that this appeared on the list of the best uh, zombie films to watch on Netflix. So I am going to have to say day. we need to strike that list from uh, from all time. Um, and this <laughs> is uh, this is Ladronas uh, de Almas, and yeah. it was directed by Juan Antonio de la Riva. And uh, it is a Spanish language film, and um, it was initially released in Mexico in 2017. Uh, it's a screenplay by Christopher Luna, um, and it is, they say, based on quote unquote true events uh, during the Mexican War um, of Independence. And then, you know, a couple of the reviews I saw said this is about, this is like saying that Fargo was really based on true events. So, 
you know, and I couldn't really find anything specific to this story, although I tried. And even in the reviews, they only mentioned that it was based on somewhat true events. So um, it, this is uh, the Cordero family. And I, you know, did you find anything on them, Stuart? Because no. I did try and I just came up empty. Um, so if anybody has heard of anything about this, please let me know. I'd be, ha- I'd be curious to, to see w- what exactly they were basing this upon. Yeah, um, unfortunately, the most famous Maria Cordero out there is a singer from Macau. So. Uh, also a reporter though, that, uh, unfortunately was assassinated, uh, recently. Wow. Um, so Grief. that for reporting about, you know, different things happening in Mexico. And so she was killed in a drive-by shooting, sadly. Um, so, um, you know, I, so in any case, I will say that um, my biggest, I think there were some really interesting things that they did with this film in terms of like the horror elements. This is definitely going back to old school horror films like Vampire and like a couple of other things. Um, the lighting and the way that they are tracking the different shots I thought was, was yeah, good. The music. The music. But I will say that the pacing was so incredibly slow and, and long. I, it was a real struggle to get through this. Um, this had a real telenovela yes, sort of vibe I, to I me. I thought the exact same thing, um, which I don't have a problem with if it's done well. It's like, okay, well, if you're going to go that way and it's going to be that kind of dr- overly dramatic and cheesy and stuff like that, then do it well. And it didn't really feel like they, they kind of, it was almost like they couldn't decide exactly what kind of horror film it was. Um, yeah. But I will say that this got some incredibly good reviews, not just on this list that I saw, but on, you know, some, there was like quite a few people that brought this up as one of the better films that came out of the horror genre um, that year, which I'm, I'm struggling to see that. Um, so this is, I guess, maybe not my cup of tea, I think maybe if you're really into like classic horrors, you can appreciate the the notes that they're they're trying to have resonate with the audience. Um, and I did like certain elements of this. Like the the premise of this film is that uh, there is the Cordero estate, uh, which is occupied by um, the family and some of their servants, um, and the this group of um, you know this group of are like like soldiers i guess or kind of insurgents kind of they definitely feel more like bandits than soldiers but they kind of say when they unveil themselves later in the film as being royalists which are like the most official version of soldiers right they still feel like bandits the entire film they do and i think that's intentional um and you know there's also this a lot of double speak here because and and some subterfuge because i think they don't want the family to know um that they are what they're after um but and even in the way they sort of you know talk at the beginning where it's like oh i'm not your lieutenant um and you know there there's things like that that happen so you have the feeling that they are playing you know both sides of the game here um so they they have come into this area and they and this is the other thing they keep saying we're looking for that thing <laughs> which I thought was hilarious because they keep basically, it's like, okay, well, clearly you're looking for money or treasure or something. Like, just say that. It, like, it, it's not like it was, you don't know what their intentions are initially. Like, you get this idea that they might be looking for other people that had disappeared before. But then they're looking they, specifically for one ranch right. or hacienda, but right. they're not sure if they're in the right place at the right. beginning. And, but the idea is that they're coming after other people that they know that have gone before and then also looking for quote unquote that thing 
Um, and they even say this, you know, go around and, and look to see if you can find food and also that thing. Um, and so there's like these really just humorous moments. And I think that that's probably intentional. Like, come on. Um, but but they, you know, the, I thought that some of the actors were OK and, and kind of hilarious in an over overly dramatic kind of way. Um, the three the women that play the sisters are are pretty. I, like that's the thing it's like I think it could have been even more creepy but you don't get to really know exactly how creepy they are I don't know it just felt like they were pulling a lot of punches yeah they, it felt like they wanted the sisters to be creepier than they were or more right. um, with more like what is that the short blurb um, from the film just it's like, like they have macabre advantage and I don't feel like they do uh, no I feel th- like their macabre advantage is that they are okay with stabbing and biting people's tongues and earlobes off um, but they don't actually have like supernatural defenses other than they have one zombie and yep. uh, he seems pretty tough he takes care of a few of the bandits throughout the course of the film but uh, it's not exactly the upper hand that the film no kind of wants you to think that they have. Well, and also the upper hand is not necessarily theirs that they have. It's more like their servant that came from Haiti that figured, you know, that came with this knowledge. Um, and well, he passed it along to Maria at some point. He did, but he's the real person that had the knowledge you know what i mean I think, like and i think that guy's uh, harding jr is the name of the actor who played in delacio in, mm-hmm. in delacio and he does a decent job uh, oh no i barks, liked him a lot he barks a lot of his, his dialogue but um you know he's, he's a real he's, he's an important character for this film and does a decent job and then as far as the other um torquato the guy who plays the lieutenant i think was also a decent actor um and, and i guess you know augustine What's their last name? Cordero. Mm-hmm. You know, like it has gravitas and everything, does a decent job, but there, there's just otherwise, I feel like the performances are really, really working on, like, oh, I'm intense. I'm really, yeah. look at how intense I am. Uh, and uh, it doesn't really work for me most of the time. Although I will say that uh, Harding Jr. actually is Haitian and, yeah. and moved well, to Mexico when he was a young boy. So he's actually right. kind of. Uh, you Maybe know, it's he, his true story. It is he's... his somewhat his true story, um, but um, so I, like I liked him. I liked his, but it's also you only have so much to work with. Like he didn't have a ton of dialogue. He had you know some yeah. of the exposition insert. You know you and you got that with him, but yeah. the but the women actually don't have a ton of dialogue. They have a few th- like dialogue in general is sparse in this whole film. Um, and so I just, I think that's part of why it felt somewhat draggy to me in terms of the pacing and, um, you know, they don't like, I, I was sort of, I kept waiting for things to become more horrific somehow. Like you have the big setup where you have this group of men, they've come to this sort of abandoned or what feels like a bit abandoned and rundown estate. Um, they see that there's this tiny group of people living there, um, they get, you know, they're like, okay, we're going to stay the night. But there really is, like, there's no food there. They set it all like, up. what is the deal with the no food? Yeah. Like, they set it all up. Well, I think the idea is that the royalists before took it all and, and yeah, basically. Yeah, how are, how are they how living? Are the Cordero's living there? Like, um, if they have right. zero food. Right. Or they are hiding it or something. But in any case, this sets up and you hear, like, these sort of, you know, they get warnings not to wander the the 
the estate at night. They don't listen to them. You get, um, I don't know, it, like, like they just set this up and then it just kind of just is a very, it, I couldn't even call it a slow burn, honestly, because it just doesn't go anywhere um, or it doesn't feel like it goes very slowly places. Um, and we have a few sort of flashbacks where we see how the, the family was treated um, prior to their arrival by the first group of uh, royalists that came through. And, you know, you get the idea of where things happen and we get some, eventually we get to the crux of the whole matter, which is that they eventually create the, this uh, zombie to guard the treasure. And, but, and this one thing is taking people out, but not as much as say the daughters are, because the daughters are just basically taking care of business. Um, and I just felt like they missed an opportunity to make this really cool. And I don't need to have never ending sort of gore scenes, but it just felt like it was so slow. Um, yeah. And think about Roberta taking out the I don't know the guy's name, but the albino guy. Oh, yeah. Um, That happens really early in the chronology. You don't really know that she's done it until much later. Right. But and he's not for no reason. Like he is assaulting her. Mm -hmm. Um, But she's also been throwing him some really come hither looks while she right beforehand. So it was a little bit odd. I'm not sure like what the tale they're trying to tell there. Mm -hmm. Um, But she kills him before. They've really done anything wrong, big picture. The guy is assaulting her, like I said. He should have been beat up and left there, maybe not murdered. I don't know. Uh, uh, I felt like that that murder happens. It's. I mean, Cecilio is dead by then, yes, but he yep. was killed by a zombie and not the, not the family. So maybe none of it, you know, it all adds up to everybody's going to die anyway. But I just thought, like, weird. Also, she doesn't have hardly any lines. She just brushes her hair and then has really... Ex- like she has great makeup yeah. for the rest of the film because the blood on their mouth looks really interesting. Almost looks like she's a zombie. Uh, but then she she makes these crazy faces for the rest of the movie. Oh, like, she made crazy bears. faces though from the beginning. So even when this group of um, roving whatever they are come in, like as far as the family knows, she's making some pretty like hey, I kind of want to, like, she She looks devious in this first scene when all the daughters are there meeting with them. And so I was actually like, huh, she may be the zombie. That was my initial take on it. And yeah. um, I think that the implication is that they were, their mother was killed by the prior group of royalists. Um, they are really, you know, and Maria had been taken hostage and basically, I felt like the I, the implication is, is that it doesn't matter if these guys come out and start to try to either find the treasure or do something with the family. You don't mess with this family. They're going to take them all out. And so I don't think it matters. I think that he assault, he was going to assault her. And she's like, yep, none of that. And she just took him out. And I think that that's kind of the deal. Um, but they, I don't think they do a good job of that storytelling. And I no. think they probably needed to show a little bit more of some kind of resolution after the first group came through. Something in the flashbacks where the sisters make a pact or something like that. I mean, I think the implication is there, but I don't think that the storytelling is extraordinarily good in terms of how they tell this narrative. Um, no, this this family lives here like out of time, out of place. The women in their fancy dresses don't make sense. Like the fact that there is no farming going on here. And right. is the only able-bodied man. And, and well, he does his best, but he also gets murdered. Mm-hmm. Poor <laughs> then, then things come to a head. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a really 
it's a it's an odd story because the Cordero family doesn't really make a lot of sense based yeah. on where they are and what they're doing. I and mean, like, what, I, what is the point of all that gold in their basement? Right. They're just sitting there collecting it right. for use sometime later. And then you know, they have no food. Like they're just there are big parts of the story that to me, I'm like, why? Right. And why? I felt like, you know, part of me felt like they like maybe something got edited and we were supposed to see a little bit more. But we hear almost toward the end when we see this flashback um, with Indalesio and Maria when she first meets the, the Walking Dead and they've heard legends of it. And basically during this war, um, landowners and, and miner, like people that own the mines, f- fled their properties and left their sort of group of zombies that were there to do slave work. Sim- honestly, similar to what we saw in in the movie we reviewed last week um, in terms of like work being done by zombies. Um, but they fled and then the zombies were kind of left to kind of rove and, and get out and cause trouble. And so I thought we would get a little bit more about, oh, well, you know what? All of our workers are gone we don't want to do this. And Indalesio kind of says this and he's like, but we can make them and they can do work for us. But the only people that we really see that they've made is this guy to guard the treasure. We don't see that they've made a group to basically um, harvest food or help with the food, which I thought, which was kind of where I thought they were going with that story. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like they explain that. Um, And that's the thing. Like, if they did that, it does make sense that they're wearing these dresses and see, and it seems incongruous because otherwise they'd have to be out there trying to to harvest food and 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 grow food because there's nothing to eat. Like if they actually created a, a zombie crew to help them do that, and they showed that, that would make a lot more sense. And they needed more people, and maybe they could have talked about the fact. I mean, it would have made sense if we had somehow seen the previous soldiers as their now zombie workforce right yeah that but would, i mean but that's absolutely i don't think that if that is the case that they did a good job at, at showing that so no. um but you know i think that there were opportunities here that they missed um and it honestly felt like they were setting things up for like a sequel just even in the end scenes it just shows this ominous sort of shot of the three sisters looking oh god weird Roberta and ominous mad mugging the camera in that <laughs> it was scene. crazy um she just makes the craziest faces that yes actor. she does that natasha uh you can't yeah, say she's Ignacia. not expressive precisely um in delacio's female counterpart is ignacia their other um employee slash servant and she is universally abused by yeah. everybody. Um, and For, I'm not sure why she is loyal to this family when everybody just snaps at her. All the girls, anyway. They're the only ones who really seem to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's and she she might be in a relationship with Indalecio. Indalecio, and uh, I don't. Yeah, another one. I'm just like, huh? Why are you hanging out here? This doesn't seem like a fun place for you. She's mm-hmm. she, she's concerned that the youngest daughter is going to be turned into a monster. Um, and, and they just constantly are like, it's your job to watch her. (laughs) Get out of here. Be quiet. Well, not just, it's her job to like, but you know, she's a little too busy scrubbing down the walls with this like kind of dark narrative that, (laughs) that Camila keeps drawing on the walls and apparently keeps doing this and, and basically shows them exactly what's happened and shows zombies coming to life and all this kind of thing. I mean, the woman has some 
that's a pretty big chore, especially given that there were no Sharpies back then. But that's kind of how it looks like they were put in there, right? It looks like she took a Sharpie and did all this graffiti on the wall. Um, and given that there's only like five people here, it feels kind of odd that Camila is even able to get away from anybody. Um, it should be easy to keep track of her. It's not like she can disappear into a crowd or into some kind of, you know, like it just doesn't make any sense. So I wasn't fully understanding that part either. Um, and then there's, you know, and then there's the other stuff with the dad, which it almost felt like, why was he even there? Uh, I don't know. He's just in his wheelchair. He's, you know, just not really useful. Definitely not useful. It doesn't really serve much of a story point other than to be like a, um, a reminder that they are unprotected. And so they have to look out for themselves. But yeah, no, none of it makes sense to me. I have, I, yeah, <laughs> I throw my hands up at this movie slightly. Yeah. And I honestly, I really don't like the positive reviews and there were definitely more than one, but I do think it's somewhat suspicious because a lot of them use the same language. So I'm wondering if this was just sort of something put out by a PR firm or something um, mm. to try to garner some, some notoriety. I mean, this was on multiple lists as some of the best zombie films to watch on Netflix, which I cannot agree with. Um, and there were others on that list that I do agree with. Like there was a lot, a hashtag alive um, cargo. Um, so it was not in bad company in terms of, no. The, the films that were listed, but this one really stood out to me as like, not, not good. <laughs> so, well, we do know that critics, critics don't like the typical genre approach of that we're used to, which I think we do have in cargo. Well, cargo's a little different, but night eats the world, uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the dead, like typical zombie movies, critics are over and they have been for 12 years or something. Right. So this, the fact that they make them voodoo zombies, the fact that they are more of a um, uh, the creature horror show style as opposed to the shambling masses of the undead, I think the critics might enjoy that because it is not the same thing as a genre zombie film. And this isn't. It's like more. Yeah, it's more of a horror, pulpy sort of horror film. And that's fine. It's just that it has all kinds of problems just even within that um, structure. And so I think yeah. that's why yeah, those are the issues that we have with it. The fact that there are a lot of plot holes or, and, and things that were executed strangely. <laughs> um, but you know, like the, the thing that it does have, that's a super tropey thing is the band of hardened soldiers getting whittled down with the exception of Cecilio, who doesn't ever seem like a hardened anything, just kind of like a, strange man who runs after a little girl in the middle of the night uh, mm. and is appropriately murdered by a zombie. Correct. Um, and I also, I guess, you know, and I guess they have their comeuppance for looking for this treasure and, and all that kind of thing, I suppose, because a couple of them are left um, to, to basically guard it forever. Um, but including Macario, Macario never felt like a bad guy. To no, me. I he don't didn't. Really he understand felt. Why. I felt bad because he sort of seemed like he was the only one that you know, probably he had a conscience. Probably you know he did a couple of bad things and he did you know he did take off after the little girl and told her she was bewitched and and wretched. Well, no, he told her like you're you're not safe here either. Let me get you to safety. Yeah, and then she bites him I and know. he spends a long time telling her that she's wretched. Yeah, it was. That scene, yeah. the lighting, it was just like, all right, 
put up the blue uplighting on the sides of the building and put a giant spotlight over the little girl. And I was like, oh, wow, you're really just not trying to go for realism. I mean, you're choosing to shoot the scene at night and it's really difficult to light these kinds of shots. Gotcha. But yeah, throwing the <laughs> the blue lights everywhere and, and uh, it was too much. It was a lot. Holly watched this, this uh, the second half of this with me. And, oh. and she was just she was just like, yeah, this is this is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a non zombie fan also agreed that I know was better. Not a, I know better film. than to ask Bill to watch, you know, any any of this stuff. But um, every once in a while, there, there will be something that it, usually if it's in like the humorous side of things, he's OK about that. But this kind of thing, forget it. Although I doubt he would have even been scared by this. Um you know, I did, I, I will say though, it was nice to see some classic practical effects. Um, I did like some of the, the blood effects. I thought those were pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the costuming was good. And again, had the script been tightened up a little bit and the storytelling tightened up, I think this could have been really successful. And I see hints of it here, but it's definitely, this is not my, my jam um, overall in terms of the types of horror films I enjoy. Definitely not going to go into the vault of our favorite um, movies. I guess what I'd like to say is I'm sorry, reanimated listeners. And um, I'll apologize for all of reanimated for this one. (laughs) I think that, you know, if you didn't watch it, you don't need to unless you're really into torture. That's true. You know, and and wasting time. And that's okay too. Um, I'm not sad that I watched it because I do think that some of the elements were kind of cool and I would like to see more um if if they could do this a little bit like more successfully um i do like seeing horror films come out of different countries and and the different styles definitely so i think that that's a positive thing but i i just no doubt that that's something that we enjoy and we've we've reviewed lots of foreign films and this just this felt like something that mystery science theater might have enjoyed to review or you know to give their treatment to in a way like there were just there were elements of this movie that felt like something that they would get into yeah. um, um i will so i will tell you that you know despite our our review of zombie child from last week um mm-hmm. i kept going back in my head to that one creepy scene where they're together and um the character says i'm going to eat you to the other character and i will admit that stuck in my head and freaked me out enough like i was like all right that was a pretty successful scene <laughs> um I don't know why that got into my head so much, but that one, so, so you sometimes find things even in films that you're not necessarily all on board with that are successful. And I think that in this case, I didn't have any of those moments, but I did, I was left wanting this to be better. So, um, you know, so I, I think, you know, I, I would give this director certainly another chance, but I would want to see a a little bit more, um, And interestingly, some of these reviews, I don't know if you saw all of them, were calling for multiple uh, multiple sequels, which I was like, I don't know that that's necessarily warranted. I'm okay stopping here. Um, <laughs> but but I thought that was kind of odd. Um, but Wow. Yeah, right. Well, so next time we're going to do something, we have no idea what we're in for with this one either. I haven't read any reviews. It's not on any lists that I've seen. Uh, we're going to be reviewing a film from Hulu called Feral, uh, and uh, it's not produced by Hulu, but it's on Hulu. And so okay. uh, you can join us again next time on Reanimated when we delve into that film, and uh, and hopefully, um, hopefully it'll be uh, you know change change the paradigm that we've been looking at of, of uh, material lately. So you can let us know if you've seen 
uh, Ladronas de Almas and you want to tell us your impressions, you can do that on Twitter at ReanimatedPCast. You can email us at ReanimatedPodcast at gmail.com. And you can see those wacky apocalypse cars on our show notes at ReanimatedPodcast.com. <laughs> yeah. And thank you again for listening. And until next time, ciao and stay safe, everybody. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>